morning. Uh, it's, it always amazes me um, and, and humbled about how God orchestrates the, the entire um, Sunday morning gathering. Uh, you know, generally, we don't know, that, you know, like Jordan doesn't know really what I'm preaching on and that the songs always seem to fit. You know, uh, Rob, Robbie has an idea uh, what I'm preaching on, but even the prayer time this morning fits perfectly into the message. So it's just uh, amazing to see how God just orchestrates that and pulls it all together um, from, from, from all of us, to, and we don't really know um, what we're working on. So Fourth of July weekend, uh, for us, it was a little different than any other. We uh, ad- adopted a dog last week, and um, I've never grown probably disdain for fireworks as much as I have after yesterday. Uh, our, our eight-month-old puppy is not a fan of fireworks, and um, last Saturday or Sunday night when New Spring had their big fireworks show, it's very, we live pretty close to Civic Center. Um, Remy, who's our dog's name, he sat trembling on our kitchen floor um, as Ashley consoled him to get to the fireworks show. So, uh, so yeah, never never realized uh, dog's fear of fireworks, but but it was, it was a good Fourth of July. Um, the dog's been a good addition to the family so far. Uh, hopefully it continues that way. But um, <clears throat> I want to kind of piggyback a little bit on what, what Robbie talked about with, with the meals. Uh, you know, again, he had no idea that I was going to include this in my message. But, you know, before we jump to Hebrews, really, I mean, the meals thing, last Thursday was, was, was awesome. Uh, there's been plenty of mornings where it's just been four or five of us having to deliver to 370 uh, families throughout Greenwood County. Well, this past Thursday, as we're leaving our house, my youngest, Daniel, says to me, hey, Dad, how many drivers are going to be there today? And my response was, well, hopefully we get seven or eight, all right, so we can, so it, it doesn't take all morning. And when we pulled up to the school, there was already six or seven cars there. And, and the coolest thing to me was it wasn't from our church. Um, the, the coolest thing to me was that we were partnering with, with other churches. South Main Baptist was there. Um, to partner with us on Thursday to deliver meals to the kids of Greenwood County. So just encouraging. Um, I encourage you to come out. We always, there's always a need. There's never too many drivers. Uh, it, it's a great time. You know, we, have, we were done in, in 45 minutes on, on this past Thursday, so it doesn't take a long period of time. And, and you get to know the families on your route. Um, you know, we pull up. The coolest thing was one, one, one morning we pulled into – the house we normally go to, and the kids were down the block, and they saw our car, and they came tearing off to us to get to the food. You know, so so it's it's a great experience, awesome. It's being in the hands and feet of Christ. But this past Thursday, it was really just encouraging to see the church being the church, the capital C church. So so come on out, um, like you said, every Monday and Thursday morning, um, and and be a part. All right, so let's get into Hebrews. Uh, I have a confession to make before I begin. Uh, about two months ago, when Pastor Ravi asked me to look at the scripture breakdown and to tell him which ones I wouldn't feel comfortable preaching on, I think one of my responses was Hebrews 4, 1 through 13. So, lo and behold, this morning we're covering Hebrews 4, 1 through 13. Uh, it reminds me of a, a Jewish saying, yeah, a man plans, God laughs. So, God God won again. So, this morning we're going we're gonna to get through Hebrews 4, 1 through 13. I texted my dad this week. And, and my dad was a pastor for 40 years, and I, I told him what I was covering. And my dad's response was, I think Robbie looks ahead and then decides which ones he doesn't want to do, and then he gives them to you. So, so uh, here we go. Uh, hopefully we learned. Uh, I, it, 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 was, it was difficult for me this week. Um, I, I texted Robbie in the middle of the week. I think topical sermons are easier, for me at least, 
because I have a topic, and, and then I could find scripture to fit the topic. Uh, this, this is a little different. I enjoy doing this. It just takes a little more prep work. And it was Friday, and I really had nothing. And uh, I, me and Ashley are coming back from Walmart, and I said to her, I got nothing right now, and it's Friday. And usually I'm, I'm at least most of the way done. And she looks at me, and, and I love her for this. She goes, well, have you prayed about it? And I'm like, that stings just a little bit because I really haven't. So I've been trying to do it myself. So, so we get home from Walmart, and for the next, next 30 minutes, I, I take an intentional focus to really pray about what God wanted me to talk about this morning. And then before you know it, I have what I have this morning. So, you know, God doesn't always answer prayers that quick. Uh, but he knew I was a little stressed out about it. So, so I'm excited to see what um, he's going to teach us this morning as we work through the first part of Hebrews. Well, let's pray again, and then we will, we'll dive right into Scripture. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you for just your continual love for us. Uh, Lord, we don't deserve it, but you give it to us freely. And, and Lord, so we just thank you for, for that gift, Lord. We ask you to be with us over the next little bit, Lord. Help us to... Um, to learn what you want to teach us this morning. Lord, help me to, to get out of the way and just to let you speak through me as, as we talk about what it means to find rest and peace in you, Lord. Two, two things that we want every day and, and we desperately need, Lord, to help us to, to learn how to, to apply the words of, of the author of Hebrews to our lives, Lord, so we can have that peace. So you're going to pray. Amen. So the, the title of the message this morning is, is, a, is a mathematical equation. It's promise plus faith equals rest. Pretty simple. Ask my boys and my wife. I am not a mathematical genius. But this one is a pretty simple math equation. Promises plus faith equals rest. But I think before we begin, there's two things we need to review that, that we've been covering as we've been working through the book of Hebrews. The first is the continual theme that Jesus is better. Right, Pastor Robbie talks about it every, every, every message we've had in the book of the Hebrews. This has been the central theme as, as we've worked through the book, is that Jesus is better. But I think the second thing we need to remember, is the, especially for this morning, is the audience that the author is writing to during this time period. Right, he's writing to the Hellenistic Jews, and Robbie on the first Sunday explains to us what that was. It's, it's, it's the Jewish people who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Right? We, had, we had two groups of, of Jew, Jewish people at the time. There was, there was the traditional Jewish people who held firm to the Old Testament laws. And then we have this, this group called the Hellenistic Jews. So, so this is the audience that the author of Hebrews is writing to. Right? And in a way, these, this group of people, they are trailblazers. Right? They are living a different way. They, they are, are forgoing the old traditions of the Jewish people, and they are moving forward in a different way. And like any trailblazers, when you try to have a new path, is they're facing challenges, right? The old guard, the, the old Jewish leaders, right, are challenging them because of, their, because of this new belief and this new religion, right? So the old traditional Jewish leaders, they weren't particularly fond of the idea of Jesus as the Messiah, right? They... they because it took from them, right, it took from them some status, right? In the old Jewish traditions, the, tradition, the Jewish leaders, they were the ones that everyone looked to for guidance and direction. And they were the ones that talked about following the Old, the old Testament laws, and that was the way you spent eternal life with, with Jesus. And they would like that status symbol in their community and in their culture. 
But now Jesus came and kind of threw that all out the window. And they don't have to, and these Hellenistic Jews, they don't have to rely so much on the Jewish leaders. And they weren't big fans. So these Hellenistic Jews, they had to stand firm in their convictions that what they're being preached and this new gospel is right. And I don't know about you, we've, we, but there's always been times in my life when I've had convictions, right, that I felt that like, this is the right thing to do, even if it bucks what everyone else is saying we need to do, right? And it's during those times that I have to learn how to rely on God and, and trust in his word that these convictions are the right thing to do. And these Hellenistic Jews at the time, they needed to do the same thing, right? So recently in my life, I've had, to, I've had to put this into practice. So somehow, this year, I am the president of Greenwood Abbeville Little League. So, heck of a year to be president of, of a youth sports organization. So, when the whole pandemic started, it was the day before opening day. Right, so kids had gone through our practice, they're excited, they get to wear their uniforms for the first time the next day, and then we get shut down. So, right away, obviously, I get umpteen questions about what are we going to do as a league. And after getting over the initial disappointment of we're not going to have a season, and me moping around the house for two to three days because we're not going to have a season, I was like, no, we're having a season. I got convicted. I told our board, I said, we're having a season. One way or another, we're going to have a baseball season this summer. It might be a lot later than we originally do, but we're going to play this season because these kids need some normalcy, right? We need to be able to help give them something that they normally do during this time. So we planned and replanned and replanned and rescheduled opening day two or three times. And then finally on June 15th, the first pitch of the Little League season was thrown. And it had me thinking about this is if, if, if I wasn't so convicted and members of my board weren't so convicted and held fast to the, to the fact is we're going to do this, right, and we would have given in and done the easy thing of not playing baseball this summer, right, we wouldn't be playing baseball, right? These kids wouldn't have some, some sense of normalcy. Yeah, it was, what, there's a lot of things we had to do to make it happen, right? But we were convicted that this was the right thing to do. Just like the Jewish people at this time, these Hellenistic Jews, they were convicted that Jesus was the way. That this new religion was the way to have eternal life. And they held fast to these convictions, right, even though they were being attacked by, by the old guard. <clears throat> and I, I believe that as Christ followers, right, we face the same battles every day. The world is telling us one thing. This is why we talked about this morning in the prayer time, right? The world is telling us one thing, to chase after this. Scripture tells us, Jesus tells us we have to chase after this, right? And we have to stand firm in our convictions and have faith in what the word says so we can follow out God's plan for us. So I believe that the author of Hebrews knew that doubt was starting to creep into the hearts and minds of the Jewish people this time. So I believe he continues the parallel to Moses in this section of chapter 4. Right? I believe the parallel to Moses is an attempt by the author to invoke hope and confidence in these group of Jewish people 
that even in the Old Testament, there's a parallel there. So even in this Old Testament, the traditional Jewish leaders are telling us, hey, you need to follow this way. Even Moses had to face and have these same convictions. So I believe he used this to try to encourage them to continue on the path they're going. So let's read through, read through the whole text of scripture, and then we'll come back and, and we'll, we'll kind of break it apart. So Hebrews 4, 1 through 13, and I'm reading out of the NIV translation. Uh, so it says this, it says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said, so I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all his work, and again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest, and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again said a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before the eyes, laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And rest sounds good right about now, doesn't it? But not the I go want to go to sleep rest. Right? This is spiritual rest. Right? This is the rest of what kind of rest can only be found in him when we rest in his promises and are obedient to his word. This is the kind of rest that the author of Hebrews is talking about. This kind of rest requires faith in his promises to achieve. All right, so the author of Hebrews is talking about the importance of finding spiritual rest in him. So I believe that there are two main points about rest that God wants us to learn today. The first is what does rest look like for a believer? And second, how do we as Christ followers achieve this rest? When we allow our hearts to be hardened, and when we lose faith in his promises, we don't find rest. So this morning, let's, let's look at how we can find this rest that the author of Hebrews is talking about. Before we dive into Hebrews back again, let's, let's look at, I believe there are four types of rest that we find in scriptures. So we're going to introduce the four different types of rest, and as, then as we work through the scripture, uh, we, I will, we'll kind of we'll talk about each one that are in each part. I think the first is sabbatical rest, and this is uh, just rest from work. Right, the first time we see this rest mentioned, it's in uh, Genesis 2-2, 
It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. All right, even God needs rest, but God didn't rest because he was tired. God rested because he was content. And then we'll talk about more of that in a second. The second rest is promise rest. All right, promise rest that Pastor Robbie talked about last week as we went through Exodus, the, reaching the promised land. It's also mentioned in Deuteronomy as it's related to the promised land in Canaan. It says this in Deuteronomy 12, 8, 9. You are not to do as we do here today. Everyone as he sees fit since you have not yet reached the resting place and the inheritance God has for you. The third type of rest is relational rest. And this refers to the peace we have with God because of our relationship that we have with him. John 14, 27 says it this way, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And the last rest is eternal rest, which is our future eternal life with Christ. And John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. All right, so so those are the four types of rest that I believe that, that this part of portion of scripture wants us to, to learn about today. All right, we have sabbatical rest, we have promise rest, relational, and eternal rest. All right, so let's, let's look back in verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> All right, I believe in verses 1 through 3, the author of Hebrews looks, uh, wants us to teach the importance of both promised rest and relational rest. All right, it says this again, it says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard do not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest, and yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. All right, right off the bat, the word therefore right, indicates that the author is going to continue the discussion in, that he was having in chapter 3. Reverend Pastor Robbie talked about last week about the Israelites in, in, the, in, the, in the book of Exodus, uh, how they never were able to enter the promised land or enter this promised rest because of their disobedience and their lack of faith and their lack of faith in the promises of God. So as a result, God made them wander around for 40 years. Right, Pastor Abel's talk, uh, share this in Psalm 95, 8 through 11. It says, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me, they tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. All right, so the Israelites, right, as they're, as they're during, the, during the book of Exodus, they, they're, they're marching towards the promised land under, under the guidance of Moses, right? This promised land that God had given them, right? It was going to be a land where they were going to find rest and they were going to find all that they ever needed. And as they're marching there, they begin to lose faith. They begin to not believe the promises they have in him. So as a result, they don't find rest. Right? God becomes angry at them because of their disobedience. Their hearts become hardened. He becomes angry. 
much like he becomes angry with us when we do the same thing, right? When we don't, when we lose faith in him, when we lose faith in the promises that God has, has given to us, right? God's not a fan, right? He becomes angry with us. Now, his anger doesn't mean he doesn't love us because he will always love us. But he becomes angry with the decisions that we've made not to trust in him. Much like if you're a parent, when your children are disobedient, right, there's, there's anger that builds up. Doesn't mean you don't love your children. Right? You always love your children. I always love my boys. But there is a point when they're not doing what they're told to do or they're disobedient. There is some anger. Same thing here with God. Right? God becomes angry at the Israelites because he has great plans for the Israelites to enter the promised land, to enter this rest in, in the promised land. And he's just saying, just listen. Just follow. Trust and have faith, and you're going to inherit a land that you don't know how good it is. But because they became disobedient, they get stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. And in Numbers 14.30, it says, Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Right? If you think back to the book of Exodus, every time the Israelites lost, Israelites lost faith, what happened? It was a repetitive cycle of pain and loss and hurt and more often death. Right? It's the same way with us. When we lose faith in his promises for our life, pain and hurt usually follow. Maybe not right away, but eventually. Now the difference is thankfully because of the resurrection of his son, we're still able to have eternal life with him because we can find rest in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Right, so the second rest, I believe the author wants to learn in, in this book, in this part of Hebrews, is this idea of relational rest. Right, because of our faith in him, we're able to have this personal relationship with him and find rest in this relationship. There is no greater relationship in my, in my life and your life than that. Right, again, think about a time and when, when you go through a period where you're not in community with God. Right? You're not spending the time to pray. You're not spending the time to do your personal devotion. Maybe you're still coming to church, but that's about the extent of it. So you're really not in community with God. What is your relationship like? with other people outside of God, with your spouse, with your coworkers, with your kids, with other family members. I can say in my life, when I go through those periods where I am not spending time with God, my relationships are not restful. Right? Usually there's stress, there's frustration that builds up and my relationships are no longer restful because my relationship with God is not restful. I'm not finding peace in my relation with God because I I've, I've, I've haven't put the time into it to find that peace. What the author of Hebrews is telling the, 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 the audience at this point, the Jewish people at this point, is find rest in this relationship with God. Yes, it's a new idea for these, for these Jewish people to be the ability to have a personal relationship with God. But, but he's stressing to them the importance. You've heard the gospel preached to you. 
you understand what the gospel is saying, find rest in this relationship with Christ that you can have. Right? Don't, don't allow um, the, the outside people to keep banging your door down and tell you it's not the right way to go. Same thing with us. We need to find rest in God. 1 Peter 2.12 says it this way. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. Right? I'm sure the Hellenistic Jews are being accused of doing wrong. And they had to stand firm in their convictions. Right? We get accused every day as Christ followers that we're doing things wrong. We need to stand firm in our convictions and our beliefs so we can find this rest that, that God promises us here in Hebrews. <clears throat> right, so again, in verses 1 to 3, he teaches about the promised less rest and relational rest. He has, he promises us that if we have faith in him, we're going to find rest. If we stay convicted, if we stay committed to our relationship with him, we're going to find this rest, this peaceful rest. He continues in verses 4 through 7. It says, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again, again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as, as was said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So I believe in verses 4 through 7, we see, we see three different types of rest the author talking about. Sabbatical rest, promised rest, and relational rest. Right, if you look back at verse 4, it speaks of this sabbatical rest. Again, it says, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all his work. Now, we all know the creation story. God takes six days to create. On, this, on day seven, he rests. Right, God didn't rest because he was tired. Right, God doesn't get tired. He doesn't know what tired means. Right? God rested because he was content in what he created. He was content in his creation. So he basically sat back and, and enjoyed what he had created. And he found rest in this. He wants us to have that same type of rest. A sabbatical type rest is when we can, we can sit back and trust in him and are satisfied with what he's given us. I know I can't always say that. I can sit back and just and find satisfaction in the gifts he's given me. But God wants us to have this type of, sabbat of, of, of sabbatical type rest. Right? Because if you're anything like me, I find it hard to be content in what I have. And I I'm, and I'm always want more. Right? And culture doesn't help. I mean, think about all those sayings out there. Rest is for the weak. Right? You rest when you're dead. I say it to my athletes sometimes. I'm kidding, but it's, it's, it's a different way. But you rest when you're dead. Like, an early bird gets the worm. He who dies with the most toys wins. Right, that used to be a t-shirt. Maybe might date some, might probably dates me a little bit, right? But all these are saying that we always need to want more, right? They're telling us, and culture's telling us, you what you have is never enough. 
And what God is trying to tell us here in this part of Hebrews is we have to be content in what he's given us. In this sabbatical type rest, we have to be content in what he's given us and sit back and enjoy the gifts he's given us. Because we don't deserve any of it. But because he loves us, he gives it to us. And we need to find contentment. We need to find rest in that. Right? Because we can't take stuff with us, right? Matthew 6, 19 through 21 is pretty clear about that. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do, moth, moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will also be. Right, so we need to stop chasing the next thing and be content and find this sabbatical type rest in what God's given, God's given us. All right, here's an example. I believe I've shared this before in my life, but about six years ago, so I, I was working at Erskine. I was there for 10 years. And about six years ago, I felt God tell me that my time at Erskine was coming to an end. So we, we, me and Ashley had conversations about there's, there's going to be a move coming up, and then the boys knew a move was coming up. We just didn't know where. So during that course of that year, I applied to, I don't know how many jobs, right, but we'll say 15 jobs. And every job that opened up was the one. Right? This is the one that, that God's going to open the doors and we're going to go. And with each opportunity that passed, I got more and more frustrated. Because I could, I could not find this contentment in where I was. I wanted what was next or what I believe God wanted was next for me. So I probably applied to jobs that I shouldn't have applied for. And I probably went on interviews I shouldn't have went on interviews. Uh, thankfully, God protected me from myself and closed the door every time. And I think finally, it was June. New school year starts in August. And I probably just gave up and got frustrated because I'm going to be at Erskine again for another year. And the lander job opened up. And at first I'm like, that's, that's not the move that I was envisioning. Yeah, we're, like, this is, we're not going to move 20 minutes. This is going to be a move. Well, again, God laughs. Man plans, God laughs. And here I am. But it took for me to just finally give up control and to have contentment of where I was for God to say, okay, here you go. Right? That's what he wants for us. Right? He wants us to find contentment. He wants us to find the sabbatical type rest in him. <clears throat> right? And now it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Scripture's pretty clear as the, the life of a Christ follower is not going to be without trials, not going to be without tribulations, not going to be without pain. But if we're content in the life he's given us, it's easier to walk through those times in our life. We have to find contentment. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because, because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. We must find contentment. We must find this sabbatical type rest in our lives and trust in the word of God. Verses 6 and 7 says, it still remains that some will enter that rest and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore God again said a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as it was said before, 
today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So I think verse 6 and 7 points to both the promised rest that we've already talked about um, and relational rest. Right, we already discussed the, the promised rest, but I really want to focus on the word today in verse 7. Right, if you look at verse 7 again, it says, therefore, starts with the word therefore, God again, again, uh, God again said a certain day, calling it today. The word therefore here is traditional, is a transitional word that the author is using as a bridge to the consequences that the disobedience of the Israelites caused while they were wandering in the desert. Right? I believe the word today speaks to the need for relational rest that we find in him when we decide that today is the day I'm going to find rest in him. And it's the relational rest because if I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what I did yesterday. It doesn't matter how I screwed up yesterday or how I didn't glorify God with what I did yesterday. Today is all that matters. Right? Today is another day to seize for him. It's another day to live for him. Today's another day to glorify him. Again, I think the author puts it, and this is my opinion, I think the author puts it in here to remind the Hellenistic Jews that even if they failed to follow one of the 600 plus laws in the Old Testament yesterday, their life still has meaning because they have today. We have today to live for him. We need to take advantage of it. <clears throat> right, there's no need to worry about what I did yesterday or last week. There's no need to worry about what's coming tomorrow or a week from now. In today's day and age, it's a big worry is what's happening tomorrow, what's happening in a month. Because we have today. God doesn't promise us tomorrow. He gives us today. We need to focus on it, and we need to glorify him with today. All right, this is confirmed in 1 John 1, 7, where it says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And also in Hebrews 10, 17, it says, Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. And there are many other places in Scripture where God tells us to forget about the past, forget about the future, Focus on the day I'm giving you today and find that relational rest in him. Let's uh, continue on. Uh, we could stay there for a while. Uh, verse 8 through 11 says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. I believe in these verses we, we see relational rest and sabbatical rest. But really I think finally we're introduced to the concept of eternal rest. <clears throat> Why the mention of Joshua in verse 8? Now I'm no biblical scholar and I learned that this week. I thought, it, I thought this was a pretty cool point and maybe you guys knew it. But. Do you know the name, name Jesus is the same name Joshua? Okay, so the Hebrew name for Joshua is Yeshua. But when Yeshua is translated into the Greek, which is what New Testament is written in, you get, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, that word, I-E-S-O-U-S. When that's translated into English, we get the word Jesus. 
So the mention of Joshua parallels Jesus. Again, I believe the author of Hebrews is trying to do this to encourage the, the Jewish people of this time to, to bridge the gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because I think what it's focusing on is Joshua failed to lead the Israelites into the promised land and to find that promised rest. But Jesus came to lead us into eternal rest. And this is what the author of Hebrews, I believe, is trying to, is trying to teach us this morning, is that you need to find we, this eternal rest in Jesus Christ. All right, verse 11 speaks to us, though, needing to make every effort to enter this rest. Right? It's not a passive lifestyle. It's been said before, following Christ, living for Christ is not a passive lifestyle. It's not just a sit back in your chair and let God do his work. Right? It is an active decision every day to follow him. Every day to live for him. Every day to stand up and be convicted by what the word says. And not allow a culture to change our minds. <clears throat> so it speaks to the need to make every effort and not to be disobedient like the Israelites. Right? The Israelites were disobedient. They wandered the desert for 40 years. Okay? God does not want us to be disobedient. We are required to be obedient. We'll wrap up in verses 12 and 13. It says this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Again, this speaks to the need of our faith is an active faith. In order for us to find rest... We need to live out our faith in how we live our lives. So let's close with this. Um, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, it says this. Come to me, all who are weary and, and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wants us to find this rest in him. He promises us that we will find rest in him. But we have to have trust in these promises. And we have to have faith in his word. And that's the only way we find rest. So simple mathematical equation. Promises plus faith will give us rest. This is what he wants for us. I pray that as we work through, continue to work through the book of Hebrews, and as we, as we walk out of here this morning, that we are able to find this rest that God has for us. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We, we thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that all you want for us is, is peace and rest. Lord, and please forgive us when we try to make it harder than it is when we try to fight, when we try to do it our own way. And then when that happens, Lord God, there, there's no rest at all. And then we wonder why. But the answer is we need to turn to you. We need to trust in your promises. We need to have faith in your word. 
and then we'll find this rest. So we love you. Uh, please forgive us when we try to do it our own way. Help us, Lord God, to continue to learn and lean on you every day. And may today be the day that we glorify you through our actions. It's in your name we pray. Amen.